You know a lot about golf. We are those weekend golf guys. It's been about uh, six days since you were last able to hear us. Maybe seven, depending on where you live. And we appreciate you being back. John Ashton in studio. Jeff Smith at the Golf Cave at Otter Creek. Playing in Simple Golf School in Columbus, Indiana. Intrepid producer Mark Hunter at the controls. And uh, we are here talking about golf for the next hour. An embarrassment of riches. A plethora of fantastic guests lined up this hour. We've got first off coming up in a little bit. We have uh, Brendan Sweeney from French Lick Resort in French Lick, Indiana. The site of the 2016 LPGA Legends Championship. I believe this is the fifth annual consecutive time they've done it up there at French Lick, the Pete Dye course. Also got a guy named, um, uh, what's his name? Bill. Our dear friend. I believe it's Bill <laughs> Chang. Although there's a U in there. I don't know if the U is silent or not. We'll find out in a little bit. But uh, he has invented a tee that is guaranteed to let your ball go straight, no matter how you hit it. We're going to explain that one to you in a little bit. First off, Mr. Jeff, yeah, how you doing, cool sir? Idea. I'm hot. Morning. I got up this morning, you know, do my usual routine, uh, you know, take the shower, get yourself ready, take the kids to school, um, come out, start teaching golf around 730. Mm-hmm. And by 9 o'clock, I felt like I was in... Yet another hot shower, because uh-huh. <laughs> at nine thirty this morning it was so humid that I was just dripping in sweat at nine thirty in the morning, and all I'm doing is standing on the range. Sympathy is in the dictionary, Mister. I don't work for a living; I teach golf. <laughs> and you knew the job was dangerous when you took it. I did. Yeah. So I'm I'm hereby declaring that I want to teach in the middle of the summer in a dry northern climate <laughs> so do we know of one of those because i'm thinking that in like july and august i think i want to go there is, time is to, there such a thing time to load up the truck dry. and move to idaho maybe i'm not sure it's dry there <laughs> i know it's northern but man yeah i'm well, telling you i'm all in for that you can go I up mean, it's like a weight loss program just walking outside <laughs> hey we played and on if sunday i really wanted a weight loss program i would just change my diet we I don't want one. We, uh, we played on Sunday, and Mark was wearing, man, what was that, like a, a keep cool vest little, or something? What was that? Was a little coll- it's a collar. Okay. Uh, but it's a pretty good size, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, yeah, you wear around. <laughs> so it looks like a vest? Is that why John was confused? <laughs> <laughs> well, you wear it under your shirt. I put it under my shirt, yeah. around, put it around your neck, and uh, so, so yeah, you, you, I can see where you look like yeah. a little bit of a vest because yeah. you know the two ends come down in the front there now does that have internal cooling stuff or is that no, something you just just, you just just soak it? it you just soak it but it's amazing uh how long it will stay wet mm-hmm. and keep you cool it's, yeah uh, yeah it's really yeah because yeah, that's a problem with wearing a towel you can wet it you know in that water cooler by the tea and then by the time you hit your second shot it's either hot water now or Right. Dry. And, uh, or evaporated. Yeah. yeah. And that's the difference with this thing, whatever yeah. it's made out of. I'm not sure. You know what it's called? You know the official name? We can give I it do. a plug. You want to do that? Sure, yeah. yeah. It's it's by Frog Tog, two Gs each, and it's called a chili pad. Okay. Sky blue. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, it really does uh, work. Sky yep. blue. Was that the only color choice they had? That's the only one I could. That's the only one I saw. <laughs> so, you know, if you don't like sky blue, it could be problematic. <laughs> I do. I think it is. I don't know if it's. I don't know if that has anything to do with the cooling properties or not. Frog tog. Frog tog. 
Maybe it was made by a, but a couple of uh, University of North Carolina grads. Could have been. Yeah, it is. It is. We're going, we're going sky blue. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is it UNC blue, man. Yeah, it yeah. is. Right. And it down is. there, they yeah. call it Carolina blue. Carolina blue. So just for all of our listeners in the Carolinas, yep. Yep. they know that I've been down there. Yep. I've, I've spent a decade in the Carolinas. That is Carolina blue. It's an official color. Well, okay. and, and so if you think it's sky blue, they will quickly correct you because that's Carolina blue. <laughs> and and that proves that God is a Tar Heel fan because the sky <laughs> is Carolina blue, right? It's just the way they say it. Yeah, you know, been there. Unless of course you're in Durham, which is like forty minutes away. And they go, no, that's the color of the sky. They I just think stole it down there. There's a a much uh, a much larger pool. Of uh, folk who claim UNC to be their alma mater than than Duke or or than NC there actually State, is. <laughs> yeah, and it's just bigger school. You do it during basketball season. Well, yeah, but still, I mean, you can fit what six thousand people in inside Cameron Indoor Stadium and about one hundred and fifty three inside the gym and the, the Dean Dome. Come on, I mean one hundred fifty three thousand, not one hundred fifty three people. I've you told mean, uh, in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Yeah. Can't put too many people in there, but boy, is it fun! Oh, it is fun. I've been in both places. By yeah, the way. and uh, I, I Cameron Indoor Stadium might be one of the craziest places I've ever seen a college basketball game, and it was hilarious, and and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I've been to the new Dean Dome. Yeah, and um, the best part about that, um, it's it's big, and there's some there's a lot of TV screens because they need them because it's big. But yeah, um, the game that I saw. Uh, it was a uh, Indiana University uh, victory uh, in <laughs> Chapel. So uh, <laughs> I remember that game. It was quite a good game. <laughs> okay, well, well, there goes our pool of UNC alumni. I did not disparage the university, nor did I disparage the uh, <laughs> the building. On behalf of Mr. Jeff Smith, I apologize <laughs> for any offense any North Carolina the, residents may have taken to the uh, foregoing conversation. The views of Mr. Smith are not necessarily those. <laughs> they do not reflect the staff or management of those weekend golf guys. <laughs> look, they'll understand it when I say, hey, look, y'all just be quiet. <laughs> hey, what, am I wearing? what am I wearing right now? That's right. Hey, it's Carolina blue hat, man. Uh, that is yeah. it. And and as as I heard a, a great thing is I love the sound you make when you shut up. <laughs> we got a bunch of guests and some great stories. We are going to impart when we come right back. Hang with us. We are those weekend golf guys powered by Golf Talk America. Don't you move. Welcome back to Those Weekend Golf Guys. John Ashton in studio, Jeff Smith at the Golf Cave at Otter Creek, playing in Simple Golf School in Columbus. And, of course, Mr. Mark Hunter, intrepid producer extraordinaire at the controls. And, Jeff, uh, on Sunday show, which if you uh, can't hear on your radio, if you're outside of the Louisville uh, metro area, you probably can't pick it up on the radio. But you can always pick it up on audioboom.com, the uh, Golf Talk America Network. We are a proud member of that network on audioboom.com. Dot com. Uh, you plus, like saying it that way, don't you? I do. I love that. I do. Plus, we uh, archive all of our shows there, so you can always go there and listen if, uh, you know, Saturday morning, Sunday afternoon, whenever time your local station airs us is just not convenient for you. 
I want to let you know, on Sunday's show, we talked a little bit about the importance of uh, practice, at least a little bit of practice prior to a round of golf. Boy, I really hope that <laughs> recording that button is working. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we talked about oh, the importance of, of showing up early and, and hitting some putts and starting close and moving away instead of just throwing a couple balls down and, and swinging at it wildly, trying to hope to put it in. Uh, so many times, you know, you hear guys and they sink their first one and they go, oh, that's okay. I don't want to leave all the good ones on the practice green and pick up and <laughs> walk right. away. You know? Yeah, they say, oh, that and a thousand. Got to yeah, go. Got to go. <laughs> then the importance of, of sitting, you know, at the practice tee itself and starting with your uh, lower clubs, the, you know, the wedges and stuff, hitting, you know, a couple balls with as many clubs as you can, working your way from your wedges back up to your driver. And I just want to let you know that that technique worked very well for both uh, Intrepid Producer Mark and I on Sunday after we got off the air. This is truly a historic day. It is a, truly a historic day. <laughs> Today is the greatest yeah. day. <laughs> Write it down. Uh, on Sunday, Jim Furyk shot a 58. Lowest score ever shot in a PGA tournament round. <laughs> a lot of us who play in scrambles go, oh, we can beat that. <laughs> <laughs> we shot a 56 one That's day. Right. <laughs> that. I don't want to talk about the 58. I want to talk about my 83. Because thanks to 55 minutes of warming up prior to the round, I can tell you that I hit all but one fairway off the tee. I was on in regulation on nine greens. Each one of those I parred. Mark and I counted. Between the two of us, there were 14 instances of putts, either missing the cup by less than an inch left or right or stopping less than a foot from the cup. Wow. Each of us could have done much better had How about that? half of those gone in. <laughs> How about that? That's pretty interesting. You know, I, I took a seven iron, man, on a par three, 156-yard par three, the ball landed about a foot left of the pin, pin high, and then rolled about eight more feet past. It was it was right on. There was a 397-yard par four. My second shot was right. I mean, I can tell you because it was literally on top of the 150-yard marker in the like, like this little you know headstone-looking thing that they put in the fairway that said 150. So I, I had to get relief from that and then put that one on the green. It's amazing what 45, 60 minutes worth of warming up can do for you prior to playing a round of golf. Who knew? <laughs> I, I still need to know. I, what on earth possessed you to, A, get to the golf course, you know, an appropriate amount of time before your tee time, and B, not just sit down and belly up to the bar and get a hot dog and a Coke? What, what happened a, there? A, as we were doing our radio show from the golf course, and we had a one ten tee time, and we finished packing up the equipment by about 12.15. Uh, ah, so okay. you were already there. Captive audience. Yeah. Okay, nothing yeah. else to do. Yeah. There it is. And, <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, you know, we, figured, we figured, you know, we had just done an hour on the air about the importance of doing this, so why don't we put it to the test? Were there other hey, people going into that? <laughs> hey, kids, <laughs> let's practice. <laughs> what a novel idea. You mean the people that were there at the golf course listening to our show live um, actually were, were kind of saying to you, hey, John, are you going to practice what Jeff preaches? Are you going to go out there and do that? Yeah, well, when so many Did people they heard you it. they into it? Is that how that happened? They kind of looked at me strange and said, hey, John, you, gonna, you, you want a couple drinks? <laughs> with this kind of, you know, accusatory look in their eye, and to which I replied, no, 
I've, as I always do, need to go warm up. <laughs> I had to see. I wish I would have been a fly on the wall. I wanted to. I had to see the look on Mark Hunter's face when you said that. <laughs> he was like, I got to go to the car to a second. For that guy. <laughs> I got to go to the car for a second, man. I'll be back soon. Clear. <laughs> so I, I just, I so just want to let you know. A, is this somewhat of a, an epiphany? Was that, did that happen on Sunday for you? An epiphany that the, it was, was like actually made you better? Yeah, it actually made me better. You ought to do more. Yeah, I may have to do it more now. Damn it. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, well, what can Mark, I say? Mark, I know you're good on the controls, but what I would like to see is I'd like to see some video evidence of yeah. this. Okay. I hear you. I got you. Well, we're gonna, I'd like it unedited, I please. I would, like to, I would like the swear words to be left in the video. <laughs> Man, and I only, I only hit one shot. I only sliced one shot all day long. One shot. And that was, I don't want to not take personal responsibility for that. It was, it was an, an ill-advised swing because I had intrepid producer Mark in a cart right behind me doing play-by-play, <laughs> cracking me up. <laughs> so not only did I prove that day that warming up for an hour prior to your round does help, but laughing your butt off while trying to swing a golf club <laughs> is not advised. Pulling his best Vern Lundquist on it. Is that, is that yes, what's he, going on? Yes, he was. Yes, he was, Jim. All right, man. Uh, we got some more advice. Got a couple great guests coming along, too. Be right back with Brendan Sweeney from French Lick Resort, French Lick, Indiana. When we get them right back, we are those weekend golf guys. Don't move. You checked out our Facebook page yet? It's facebook.com slash golf guys. Go there and like us. Welcome back. We are those weekend golf guys. John Ashton in studio. Jeff Smith, the uh, very humid golf cave in Otter Creek in Columbus. And sitting in the middle of an airport, we promised you a plethora of guests. This is the first one of the day. Mr. Brendan Sweeney from French Lick Resort and Golf Courses in French Lick, Indiana. Man, you're getting good good vibes and good press from like all over the place this year, man. Good job. Hey, it means I'm doing my, it means I'm doing my job. That's I'm, right. Keep, keep it, keep, keeping the buzzers off the body is this my goal this week. <laughs> yeah. How you guys doing? We're doing great, man. We're doing great. And we're, we're coming up there in a couple of weeks. It's going to be a fun time. The uh, LPGA legends are rolling back into town yet again for their championship tournament. Yeah, this year is going to be really special. We're, uh, once again, we're having the LPGA legends championship the uh, uh, 19th, 20th, and 21st at the French Lake Resort. A couple of special ladies are going to be inducted into the Legends Hall of Fame, Elaine Crosby and Sandra Haney. Woo. So you guys will be there. And, uh, yeah, well-deserved, great ladies, great ambassadors of golf. And uh, it's great for the for the Riley's uh, Children's Hospital, too. And that's yeah. why we're doing it. We're, we're, we're doing it for the kids, man. If we can give back any way we can, here's how we're doing it. So we appreciate everything you guys have been doing. Oh man, anything we can do, you know, we we love y'all, and uh, and Riley's Hospital is a very fine institution that needs all the support it can get too up in Indianapolis. Is it uh, a ticketed thing, or can you just you know like walk on and bring a chair, or how's the deal work up there now? Yeah, we're doing a suggested donation to the Riley's Hospital for fifteen bucks. Mm-hmm. So all, all the money, all the ticket sales, um, any anything that we generate from the auction, 
you know, we've raised over seven hundred thousand dollars this year alone. Oof. So it's going to be going to be a great great event. You know, we're pushing for we're going for eight hundred. So we want to we want to keep on doing it. So uh, yeah, it's great. You know, Ashton Brown was our spokesperson for the last couple of years. She's a two-time cancer survivor, a Riley kid. And uh, when she was down there the first year, she we introduced her to Todd Lewis of the Golf Channel. Um, she wound up having an internship with the Golf Channel, and now she's working on Morning Drive. It's pretty cheap how this thing comes in together. She's a wonderful young lady. So it is. Uh, yeah, she's and, jamming on it, so it's good. And a heck of a golfer, too. She was playing for what? Uh, the University of Indianapolis. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, but she's graduated now, and she's moving out with her life, and it just goes to show you that the the perseverance that she has, you know, she was she was knocking on death's door a couple times, and yeah. she bounced back. So, great character, wonderful, wonderful young lady. So, yeah. we're really happy and pleased with that. Just one of the many uh, stories that you can get out of the uh, Riley Children's Hospital, man. You you can't talk to those people up there without shedding a tear or two. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's... and then our, uh, our our little guy in the wheelchair, Braden. Uh, you know, he was, he's sort of a poster kid, uh, this year. He won't be there this year. He's undergoing, he's going to have a, another series of surgeries scheduled for mm-hmm. his spinal bifida. So, uh, yeah, keep, keep these kids in your thoughts and prayers. Um, that's all we ask. And, yeah. uh, if you, if you have a couple shekels laying around, you know, throw them in our plate. We love it. That's the way it works, man. The suggested donation thing is a great idea because nobody wants to be looked at as cheap. So, and you also... Oh. Also, the the equipment, not equipment, but the um, you know head covers and shirts and all that kind of stuff, all goes the proceeds go to help the hospital too. And they've got some really nice, nice stuff with the the French lick, the Pete Dye, and the Riley's Hospital logo all worked in the on the same place. It's you can feel good and prove to the world that you're you know you're a magnanimous kind of guy, which is nice. Hey, you know, hey, you know what? I, I'm just uh, I'm just on a ship with a bunch of other fools. That's it. <laughs> you might be able to get that taken care of well hopefully if i get this bid done uh the bid window is open from uh uh 2018 to 2023 so uh i'm submitting everything that's what i wonder what years you might have it yeah that'd be great because in that window there could be a couple of smith girls participating you know what i'm saying yeah so hurry it up The 18 would well, be really good. you got to get him down to practice. Yeah. Yeah. You 18 got, would be really, really good. Have Loyola up there or maybe LaSalle or whatever college your son decides to go to. That's going to be a good be time. be a lot of fun. Yeah. Good luck with that, man. We appreciate uh, having that. It, we would appreciate having that close to home also because the, the more great golf you can get around here, and I think the NCAA championships now with the wall-to-wall coverage we hit on TV the past couple of years, 
more people getting interested in that too. So there'd be some some folks schlepping their way uh, up the road to French Lick if that were to happen. Guarantee it. Be a great thing to have up there, man. Yeah, that, that's the ultimate goal. I mean, that comes with two weeks of golf channel coverage. Um, and I tell you what, it's a heck of a lot, a heck of a lot expensive more than the senior PGA. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're looking at. It. And actually, I, I, I'm uh, I'm on my heading my way back. Uh, speaking of the senior PGA championship, I was at the uh, uh, the Whirlpool fundraiser event for the uh, Benton Harbor Boys and Girls Clubs, and uh, they raised 1.6 million dollars yesterday for this event. Wow! It's amazing. Wow. Yeah, they. They do top notch. It was great. They had uh, Colin Montgomery there with uh, Lynn Swan, who is now the athletic director at the University of Southern California. Huh? So I was, I was, I was begging him. I said, "Hey, I made you a letter of recommendation for the NCAA's," and then he dropped my card somewhere. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just one, one more quick question, man. Um, you got any room for anybody that may be listening uh, left in the in the pro am on Friday up there? Uh, no, actually, our pro lambs are sold out. Cool, it's great. We have uh, we have fifty teams. Um, we have a morning wave and an afternoon wave, and uh, yeah, the, the pro am is it was going for six grand uh, six grand a uh, a foursome, and we yeah. sold those out. And you know, we have some great support. Uh, the whole state of Indiana is behind us, yeah. and, and uh, uh, Louisville that area, and uh, it, it's great. And we have people uh, coming in from Atlanta, uh, Dallas, California. Uh, pretty much all across the nation. So they really enjoyed being with the ladies, and it's it's a great event to be at. So anybody who's encouraged to come, you know, if you listen to us in in the uh, in the greater metro area of either Indy or, or Louisville, you know, grab the kids, throw them in the car. Yeah, love to have you. Definitely drive on up. It's a great uh, couple of days of golf, and in for for even guys, you can you can actually because these ladies are going to play the Pete Dye course probably the same way you would. Well, no, they're going to be substantially better, but you get the idea, you know, lengthwise yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, that is Ouch. great. Coming up in two weeks. It's not very ni- often where John gets to throw that out there. The 19th, the 20th, and the 21st, French Lick, the Pete Dye course up there. Brendan, travel safe, my man. Hope you get home in one piece pretty soon. Thanks for spending some time uh, from your comfortable chair in the airport lounge there to uh, to spend with us on this weekend. Golf guys, we'll see you in a couple of weeks, my man. All right, guys. Take care. Hit them straight. Have fun. And, uh... Keep that Mark guy in line, too. Oh, yeah, we'll be trying. We'll be trying, man. He's on the All wagon, right. so everything is cool. Thanks, Brandon, and thanks you. We'll be right back. Don't you move. We are those weekend golf guys. Powered by Golf Talk America. Welcome back, those weekend golf guys. John Ashton here in studio. We've got Jeff Smith at the uh, at the golf cave up at Otter Creek in Columbus, and Bill Chuang. Bill, welcome to those weekend golf guys, man. Hi, thanks. Currently, I'm in Minnesota, but I, I usually hail from Pittsburgh. Oh, Pittsburgh! I love that place. I used to work there. Yeah, yeah. There's you a, did. there's a plaque okay. somewhere. Yeah, we we need to discuss that. There's a lot of places I used right. to work. But uh, now you you're a, a, an engineer. You're a PhD. You're one of them smart fellas. I got to tell you a quick story, man. It's, it was almost like you okay. know the guys who sell watches in Times Square. I walked by Bill's booth at the PGA show last January, and it's kind of like, hey, come here. <laughs> and I walked over, <laughs> and he had three billiard balls on the table. 
And after he told me his story, I decided that because he sounded like a nice guy and looked like a nice guy, I was going to do him a favor and shield him from the USGA. Because those guys are not going to be your friends. But the average golfer or the guy who has for years struggled to hit a tee shot straight is going to love you like a second mother. You know, it's uh, it's funny how that all worked out. Obviously, that that was one of my concerns. The the the, the real good golfers would, would poo poo this thing. Mm-hmm. Funny, you know, the good golfers, some of the, the really the really good, good good ones. A lot of the pros have actually really liked this. When they hit it, it's a lot of fun for them, and they see some of the potential uh, for something like this. And in fact, I got contacted by the PGA. I want everybody to go to Base Two Golf. That's Base the Number Two Golf dot com and check it out because what you've got here. Is basically the same principle that you use when you play pool. Correct. Give um, us your engineering, dumbed down engineering uh, explanation of how this works, man. Okay, I can do that. Uh, so, uh, for anybody that's, that's played pool, if you, or even you, if you haven't played pool, um, I got the idea from pool. So, so if you have two, basically two bo- two pool balls or spheres uh, touching, now they have to be touching. Um, I can draw a line. For, you can draw a line from the contact point where they touch. Through the middle of one of the balls. If you hit, if you now hit, if you now hit the other ball, uh, on the opposite side of the contact point anywhere, um, that, that first ball will go exactly along that line every time. It can only go one direction. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea, uh, from, from, uh, of, of this whole thing. I started from, from pool, from pool balls. And from there I went to two golf balls touching together. And that, that actually worked really well. And from there we, we developed the team. Yeah, so basically what you've got is a tee with a small ball that's included as part of the tee. You set your golf ball in front of and touching the smaller one behind it, and then you just wail with a driver and knock the tar off of it, tar out of that's it. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. Yeah, and so it doesn't matter which direction the club face is really pointed, and it doesn't matter which it, way it, the club face is really swinging. Just contact is it. That is, that is correct. The ball, the ball can basically, by physics, can only go one direction. No matter how all you all the club is doing is imparting energy to the to the whole system, um, and so you can hit the ball, you can hit the sphere of the ball of the, of the tee uh, from any direction, and the ball will only go in one direction. There's a there's a uh, there's sort of an arrow on the tee that that uh, that you can aim to to tell the ball where to go, and now you just and then you put the ball on there, and then you just hit the 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 sphere part of the tee, and it will send the ball going in that direction every time. That's how it works. So you just wail away at it, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's the funny wow. thing about it. And, it, and the, the other thing is, too, because it works in three dimensions, you get the same loft every time. So uh, it depends on where the contact point is, how high the contact point is to the, to the sphere. Uh, we've, set it, we've set it so that uh, the, the loft angle is, 17, is about 17.5 degrees. Which, which, uh, there have been some studies that say that that's the ideal, uh, the, the ideal loft angle for distance. Um, but it turns out it's probably a little too high, so we're going to be adjusting that on, on future keys. Wow. Yeah. So what are you going to do? How do you do that? You're just going to elevate the ball a little bit higher, the, the, the ball that's part of the tee? You can do it that way or, or bring the arm down. There's a little arm that holds the, that actually holds the ball. And so what I'll probably do is, is lower that arm. And so the ball okay. will be lower in relationship to the ball or to the sphere. And now you get a, a different loft angle. I, w- I would probably make it about 12 degrees, I think. That should make a big difference. That'd be interesting. Um, the, the, yeah, it's a really pretty flight. When you see this thing, when you see this thing fly, it's probably about a five of wood. It's what, from what, is what people tell me. A really, really nice high ball. It goes really straight. 
but you know, I think uh, if you want more distance out of it, so I'm going to lower that. I'm going to lower that angle. You know, for the higher club head speed players, they're probably going to want a little bit lower lower launch angle, right? So they get right. They'd get so because that's a pretty high launch for for a guy with you know 100 plus mile an hour right. swing speed, right? Certainly, right. this thing's going to dampen right. the transmission of energy into the golf ball a little bit. But at the same time, right. you know, if the guy's not worried about it going sideways, he's going <laughs> he's going to lay into it even exactly. harder. So I think it'll kind exactly. of it might wash itself out. That's actually that's actually a very good very good example of what we're talking about. So my my my, my business partner is a very good golfer. I happen to be not a good golfer at all. <laughs> um, he's a really good golfer. His swing speed is you need to use your product a little that. more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why. That's why I, I developed it. Uh, my, my partner's swing speed is in the hundreds. Um, well, he swings about ninety nine to hundred, and and normally he hits the ball at two seventy. He's pretty straight. Um, with this thing, he loses some distance. He, we we've been measuring this. We got something called the name. It's a it's a radar device that measures uh, that measures the the distance and spin and, and angles of balls as they come off. So we've been able to use that device to measure distances and. He usually hits about 250, 260 right on there uh, with a regular tee. With this tee, he's getting about uh, about 220. So he's losing pretty good distance, pretty good amount of distance. A lot of it will depend on how badly it's hit. The, the basically, the you can think of the the tee as sort of a a filter. It kind of absorbs the badness of your hit. Um, so the worse you hit, the the less distance you're going to get. Uh, but you're still going to go straight. Um, that's how the vectors work out. That's how the physics works out. The tee will go flying. Um, and that has been an issue. We're thinking about ways to, to maybe keep it in the ground better, um, because it's, you're gonna go, you're gonna have to go chase it. Uh-huh. Um, now the tee's but, gonna go in the but, direction uh, in the direction your ball would have gone. That that's basically correct. Yeah. You're right. So if you, if you hit it really really badly, your tee's gonna go that direction. Now it's a, it's not gonna go quite that distance or quite that direction because there's gonna be some physics involved with with contacting the the, the golf ball as well. Right, okay. but 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 it will it basically it basically will go that direction, correct? But not not nearly as far as a regular golf ball will go. Um, but it will go that direction. Yeah. yeah. So if even if the club face is not square to the tee when it makes contact, yes. is, is the I know it'll still go straight, but is the energy different if if the club face is different angle to the ball when you hit the tee? Yeah, so, so the way the vectors work is the, only the component, the, the, when you, anytime you, anytime, uh, you apply a force, basically. Yeah. That force is, that force has, can be broken down into vectors, and that vector's gonna have a direction and a, and a magnitude. Um, the way it works is because these are, because the golf ball's a sphere, and this is a sphere, there's only one point at which they touch. Right. And so the only vector that gets through, any other vector, if, if you, if you draw the same, if you, it's hard to say. If you go to my website, it, it kind of explains it. Right. Uh, the golf ball, as it hits the, as it, uh, the golf club, as it, hits, as it hits the sphere, will generate a vector within that sphere. That same vector will apply at the point of contact. Okay. Um, and that, and that vector can be broken down into basically orthogonal components. There's a, there's one that goes through the point of contact perpendicular, and there's one that goes tangential. Because the one is tangential, that never, because it's a single point of contact, the tangential one never really never really reaches the golf ball okay it only it only will tend to move the 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 tee sideways never forward into the golf ball the only energy that gets through is the one that is the one that's perpendicular in the direction of contact or in the direction of the of the of the contact point um and that's that's why it goes only in one direction i knew i should have paid more attention in physics class (laughs) than i could have done 
it's really, really simple high school physics, actually. Yeah. I think I learned the physics in about in ninth or tenth grade. Um, and I had to go back and, and, and think about it as well because it's, it's, it's so simple. Um, I had to figure out why the, you know, I, when I saw the pool ball demonstration, when I, when I saw the, when I, when I made, when I, when my friends actually made that shot in pool the first time, uh-huh. I had to go back and figure out why it worked. And so when I, when I figured that out, um, I thought, well, where else can I use this? And then the golf ball thing came up. Okay. I, I just, so. I just want to take, take, uh, uh, not offense, but I just want to correct you on one thing you said during this interview, Bill, is simple okay. high school physics is a contradiction in terms. Okay. <laughs> I just want to let you know that. All right. Check them out, man. <laughs> Base2golf.com. Uh, and that way, for some of you who can't visualize still what he's saying, there's a great video there. It'll show you exactly how this thing works. Hit it straight for once in your life, why don't you? Huh? See how much more fun it's the game fun. can be when you hit your second shot out of the fun. fairway and not from under the trees. Bill Chuang, exactly. appreciate your time, sir. And, uh, and this, this is, uh, this is going to be a, a lifesaver for a lot of people who just have, I uh, hope so. Try as they might have not been able to actually, uh, figure out how to hit that little white ball I, straight I, once I, you're it, elevated. It, it, it's great. The times I've taken it out, it's been a lot of fun for me. It, it really does change things. It does. It's more fun, and if you can make it more fun, then you'll do it more often, and who knows, maybe your second exactly. shots and your putts will get better, too. Bill Chuang, it's exactly. Base2Golf.com. Appreciate your time, sir, and, uh, and like, you know, talk to us before you talk to PGA Magazine, because who reads that? Okay, okay. man? All right. PGA right. professionals right. don't even read that. Yeah. <laughs> I got news for you. All right. <laughs> Bill, oh, thanks, boy. man. We'll be talking to you again soon, my man. Take it easy. Thanks a lot. All right, right, and you hang out with us, too. We'll be right back. And welcome back. We are those weekend golf guys. Have been for the whole hour and continue to be. You can catch us thoseweekendgolfguys.com. Follow us on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash golfguys. Follow us on Twitter. No, you like us on Facebook. I will get this nomenclature, this whole social media stuff. <laughs> I guess if it ever catches on, I'll have to learn How about it. I'm just saying, give us some warm and fuzzies on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram and on, you know, that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Because everybody knows how to do the warm and fuzzy. There's a little click, th- there's a thing you click, and it's either a heart or it's a. Emoji right. or something. Yeah, yeah, and then and then at Twitter we are at WKND Golf Guys. I don't know, Mark, if you heard this or not. When when we're playing the Donald Ross course during our t- downtime at the uh, LPGA Legends Championship in a few weeks up at French Lick, right? Uh, we are going to uh, attempt Facebook Live. Oh, really? Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Mark, you got to throw it out there like Bart Scott did, and it, or it just doesn't work. Like, yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> okay. He's not quite as excited as I thought he might be. We'll work on it. You you were telling us a little earlier off the air that you had been working with a college student about uh, basically how to expect the unexpected and how to prepare for the unthinkable strange you know, and, th- and that's one of the things, you know, this this young man junior in college now and you know he's he's dealing with some situations because he's you know he's played a lot of tournament golf and he said hey let you know it's time to let's start talking about some weird weird situations here stuff that you know you you see every once in a while but you don't see very often you know the crazy stance the one where the ball's sitting in the 
in uh, up on top of a little tuft of grass down in between this other stuff and you got this strange stance where one foot's way above the other and you got a shoulder tilt you know because you got this hole to hit it out of and mm-hmm. you know we, we did all kinds of stuff so here we are throwing golf balls down into situations where one of the options in your mind always ought to be an unplayable lie rule and take a penalty and move it out of there if you decided not to how would you get that out how would you extricate yourself from this problem and hit a good shot or hit a hit, hit a decent shot or hit one that's better than the drop you would have got if i can find my ball in a situation like kind of between two tree roots is a good example mm-hmm. you know john when you hit it sideways sometimes there's trees and sometimes there's roots that stick up above the ground and then you're in between them mm-hmm. how are you going to deal with that you know, one of the options is always to take an unplayable lie, which is, you know, the rules allow you to pick it up and move it with a one-stroke penalty, and you can move it uh, two club lengths in either direction, mm-hmm. no closer to the hole. Mm-hmm. You could go back and hit it from where you hit the last one from, which is a stroke and distance penalty, and most people aren't going to take that one. But the other one is to take that ball and, and keep the spot that it was, you know, that was in, and you keep that spot between you and the hole and go back as far as you want. So there's some possibilities, some drops, but... You know, I try to help my players that I, that I work with and saying, hey, look, how, how are you going to even come to the decision that you're going to make it an unplayable eye or are you going to take a hack at it and see what happens? <laughs> you know, depending on the danger of the situation, like, for example, in between two tree roots, if that ball shoots up in the air, you know, if you hit one of those roots, that thing could come up and, and hit you. You know, it could do some serious physical damage. You could hit yourself in the eye or the neck or something, you know, where you're actually going to get really injured. You know, at that point, the rules kind of add insult to injury there, literally, instead of figuratively, where they'd actually have penalized you do more strokes for hitting yourself. You know, sometimes you make that decision. Sometimes you go, all right, I'm going to take a club and I'm going to hack it out of here. And then we'd, what we'd do is we'd kind of decide, hey, look, my rule of thumb is, is if I can get a club on it and that club can get me a trajectory on it that it won't touch anything else immediately – that means I have a chance to move my ball into a better situation, probably. Yeah, further down the better, fairway. Yeah, Better than my drop would be. Yeah. So I think that I need to, to tell my players, if you think that you've got a 75% or greater chance of getting a club on this ball and putting it into a better situation than your drop and your one-stroke penalty, then go ahead and hit the shot. Unless, of course you could hit yourself and injure yourself and get a two-stroke penalty. So we did a lot of that. And then we did some stuff around the greens. And this was a really good lesson because it opened up his eyes to these odd lies around the greens. You know, like he's standing with one foot in the greenside bunker and, he's, and his ball's on the upslope of the green, mm-hmm. you know, right hanging on the edge of the bunker. You've been in that situation before. If you've played golf, it's happened. You've seen it. I have a formula for that, and it works every single time. Let's take that situation. Ball's above your feet, and it's about knee high. And you've had to, in order to get down to it, the ball's sitting on the the upper edge of the bunker lip. So it's actually in the grass outside the bunker by, you know, just a little bit. So much so that you decide, am I going to put this ball way back in my stance and stand right on the upper edge of the bunker lip and chip it from, you know, that far back, which is certainly a possibility. Or am I going to have to stand with one foot in the bunker to have a better swing at it or something? which is also a possibility. Let's say you have to decide it's better for me for my balance to set up and be standing one foot in the bunker and one foot out. So you can imagine the golfer that's all straight-legged into the bunker and he's standing on that downhill leg and the, and the, the uphill leg is um, you know, way up on the bunker slope and it's you know, one knee bent and all that. Now the ball is way above your feet and you've lowered your body a lot. 
So the rule that I have on this is you settle your body in so that you could make a swing before you actually determine the length of your club needed. Because what would happen is people will get themselves in an unbalanced position because they held onto the club all the way at the end of the grip. So what I would do is put the club on the ground behind the golf ball and settle down in the body with, and get that set before I actually put my hands on the club to grip it. So that way I'm not predetermining the length of the, of the golf club. But what I'm doing is I'm holding the golf club at the length that my arms are hanging naturally and that I'm balanced with the hill. So I might even be hanging on down as low as, you know, on the shaft of the club sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that works every time. Okay. Because then the adjustment from how far above your feet the ball is, is taken care of because you've got the shaft uh, shorter, a lot shorter. Right. But you determine that not before you set up, but after you set up. Okay. So that means your upper body and arm swing still does the same thing and can land it in the same place without any funny movements. And you have, and a, you have a story, too, about uh, a, a guy you were trying to explain his options according to the rules being in a bad oh, yeah. situation, and he blew a tournament, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. It's unfortunate. Um, this was a few years ago. This was at uh, at the French Lake Resort. As a matter of fact, it was uh, the Big Ten Championships, and um, and this guy uh, is was a a, a student uh, athlete at uh, at Indiana University, my alma mater, and uh, he was on the seventeenth hole. He had uh, this was the last round, seventeenth hole, and he uh, he hits it into the the tall grass on the left, and and this is one where it went in um, was left of the fairway by a pretty good bit. And uh, this is one where you don't want to find your ball. Yeah, yeah. Because if you find it, you have to deal with it. Yeah. And uh, this was better to have stood on the tee and taken a provisional ball and hit one out in the fairway way back there um, and then not find this other one. But unfortunately, it was the Big Ten Championship and the Big Ten camera crew spotted the ball and they flagged everybody down. Now I'm the rules official on this hole on the seventh and eight seventeenth and eighteenth hole in this Big Ten championship a few years back. And the golf coach is there and the player is there. And here the, this situation is rough. I mean this guy is standing in waist high fescue and that ball is sitting down but it's not down all the way. It's about ankle high. So it's above his feet but it's down in a, a big thicket of grass. Right. This ball's not coming out on the first swing. You can barely see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they've identified it. So I step in and I say, do you want to know your rules, under uh, your options under the rules? And the, uh, the coach had, had uh, said, thanks, we, we've got it. We know what they are. Thank you very much. And so I, I stepped back and I proceeded to watch him decide that it was a good idea to take a sand wedge, you know, a club that points really high in the sky, mm-hmm. um, and decide to go have a hack at it. But the ball's sitting high up into the air. You know, it's not down onto the ground. It's sitting, you know, like right. I said, ankle high. And uh, the first swing went right underneath it. Now, the problem with that is, is that he could no longer take the unplayable lie option and actually, you know, move it out. And so, um, you know, because his, his last swing at it was right there yeah. so he couldn't go back to the last place he played it from because it's you know right there right and, right and so that option's now gone and so now all of a sudden he has to he has to take another swing at it and, and it moves a good six 
seven feet maybe. And then he's got to go hack at it a third time and he gets it to the edge of the, the nasty stuff. And then he has another hack at it and, it and it gets out and then he gets it onto the green and putts and makes a big number. And, and, and it was too bad because this is a, a, a great player um, with, a, with a really rough decision in a, in a high tense situation and um, mm. probably would have been better off using one of the unplayable lie options. Yeah. Moral of the story is if Jeff Smith asks you if you'd like to know your options, please say yes because the first one he'll give you is the one you should take. Okay? <laughs> all right. That, that does it for another week. We appreciate all our guests. We appreciate you being here. Again, thoseweekendgolfguys.com. You can go to Facebook and give us some love at facebook.com slash golfguys. Follow us on Twitter at WKNDGolfguys. You missed the episode? Check it out at audioboom.com. Uh, again, part of the Golf Talk America Network. We are those weekend golf guys. You go play some golf. That's what we're going to do. Be right back here next week. Bye. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.